on today's episode. Anybody see a little movie called Spider-Man? This song's called Hero. A hero to save us. I'm not gonna stand here away. Whatever life has in store for us, we'll never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. And this is our gift, our cursed. Who we are? We're podcasters. And we're here to discuss the song Hero by Shad Kroger featuring Josie Scott from the 2002 film Spider-Man. Let's start the show! Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, Season 2! Season 2, baby! baby! We're back! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. And I'm your co-host, Paolo Grassini. And joining me, it's co-producer, co-host, Sofia Matano! Hey, everybody! Thank you for putting up with our hiatus and for coming back for our Season 2. In honor of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse just coming out, we're doing an episode on the first Spider-Man song, the one that started it all, Hero by Chad Kroger featuring Josie Scott for the 2002 Spider-Man. Yeah, and later on, Mark McCulloch will be our special guest. He'll be joining us to dissect the movie and the song, Hero, like Sophie said. But first, it's been a while, guys. It's been a long time. We're so glad to be back. Self, can you believe it? It's season two. The song will go on. We're back. I'm so excited. And we just wanted to tell you guys, give you guys a little sneak peek of what's coming up. Because we've got we've got some good ones. We've got some heavy hitters. And a couple unexpected episodes coming up, too. We've learned a lot from season one. We had a blast, by the way. All the comments, all the nice things people said, it just gave us more energy to season two really step up our game. We've made a couple of adjustments. We're now going to be a bi-weekly podcast. We'll be releasing every Tuesday, but bi-weekly. But that's just allow us, honestly, to really, really... These episodes take a lot of work. You know, we want to bring you some really good content. And I think the bi-weekly strategy we learned is just the best way to keep up that, not just only consistency, but the quality also, and give you guys, like, the best pod that we can deliver. And if you want to show us some love, if you want to support the podcast, everything that our awesome patrons on Patreon give to us goes directly into making more episodes of the podcast. And in return, you'll get Patreon-exclusive perks. You'll get access to special Needle Drop episodes, our curated monthly playlists, an invite to our Discord server, and the chance to submit a question to our Answerable Questions segment each episode. So please check us out at patreon.com slash the song will go on. I have to say so. Movie songs are alive and kicking. They really are. Like, we just got uh, a couple of months back Tame Impala for Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, Spider-Man Now, a whole soundtrack by Metro! Um, That's that's his intro. I'm not joking. That's his intro. Metro Booming did a whole soundtrack of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. But also, I'm looking at you, Barbie. That we got Dua Lipa. The Barbie albums looks loaded. Apparently, they got Haim, Nicki Minaj, Lizzo. I think it's also there. Carol G. It's Barbie. You know they're gonna they're gonna yeah. turn out so, for Barbie. 
so we are looking to cover more modern songs, so also be on the lookout for that. And if there's anything you want us to cover, you're dying for us to cover, hit us up on our socials where at the song will go on on Twitter, Instagram. We even got TikTok. You can email us if you're old school at the song will go on at gmail.com. Yeah, our socials have been a little bit dormant too. Like we really took a hiatus, but now they're coming back to life. So that's the best way to stay in touch with us and connect with us. Like, for example, I just heard um, some cover songs for a National Geographic series, A Small Light, and they feature star studded like soundtrack. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but Way is Blood, Angela Olsen, um, Danielle Heim, like. Just some really amazing female artists covering some songs. And that's the kind of thing that makes it to our social. You know, it might not make it to an episode, but there's movie music talk to go on all the time. But like Sophie mentioned, our episode right now is inspired by Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's we're all in like Spider-Man mode. And of course, we had to go back to where it all started with Hero. So before we dive into that, so I just, you know, we both went to see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You l very much liked the first one. I mean, we both loved the first one. It was such a surprise. For sure. You won't get any spoilers out of me. I know folks are still heading out to the theater to see it, but I loved it. I thought it was an awesome follow-up to the first one, and I can't wait to see what comes next. I absolutely loved it. I have so much fun watching this at the movie theater. Maybe I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Like, why can't every movie outing be like this? Like, just absolute great quality. I was, I really didn't think my jaw was going to be like on the floor in terms of the animation. I think we were going to get, you know, that was the first one where you were just sort of surprised at what they were doing. It's fantastic. They, they also did it again this time. Oh, they, they even upped the ante, I would say. Yeah. Really I, stunning visuals. Please head out and see it. Even if you just have a casual interest in Spider-Man, this will reignite the fire you will be feeling the spider fever <laughs> i think my only note will be i mean this isn't i don't think this is a spoiler but it's not the last spider-man movie we'll see in this universe and if they do a third one if this is a trilogy and it's on par with the first two films we've already gotten not only is this has the potential to be the best superhero trilogy we've had one of the best trilogies, period. Wow. Honestly, like the first, like the first. Godfather, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, get out of here. <laughs> Take a hike. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, obviously those are, you know, I mean, my beloved Back to the Future trilogy. So, so I think one of the best ones, the Lord of the Rings. But the first one you could have argued should have been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscar. I mean, not animated, just Best Picture. To me, it was my favorite film that year. This one has the potential also to, to be in that category. I agree. So you have these two amazing jaw-dropping accomplishments. If you don't fumble the third one, how it goes in trilogies, because, you know, it, it, it happens sometimes. But yeah, this is something truly special. I just hope we don't have to wait five years <laughs> for another installment of this. I hear you, but honestly, I'd rather wait and you guys get it right. You know, they they delay this film, actually, but yeah. obviously COVID-related. But still, they delay this film, and sure, it was frustrating. Now watching the final product, I'm, I'm all for it. Worth Do, the wait. Yeah, worth the wait. Uh, but also on the soundtrack front, by the way, this is, let's get into Song Will Go On territory. The first Spider-Man 
had the song Sunflower. Well, I had an amazing Huge soundtrack. Huge song. But that was the most streamed song of that year, I think, on Spotify. Right now, I think... Post it, Malone was at probably the the peak of his popularity with that song. Like, that really, really elevated him. I mean, it has 2 billion views on YouTube as, as of right now. That right. was four years ago. Right. So you can argue that the most successful movie song in not just this decade, but in really recent memory... So, and the first album also had What's Up Danger. I, I actually liked that more than Sunflower, I think. So this one, not only was the movie, but also the soundtrack had a high expectation. And this one, they got uh, Metro Booming. Metro! <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stop saying that. Sorry. The one that sticks in my head is, if young Metro don't trust you, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> but he did a whole soundtrack, sort of similar like Kendrick Lamar with Black Panther. And I mean... Even if you go back, Prince with Batman, you know, this is obviously a tradition. We've covered it a little bit here. The song that they released as the single, it's Calling. Uh, obviously has Metro Booming. It has Swali again, who was the one from Sunflower. And a couple of artists that honestly, I'm just going to butcher if I pronounce it, but uh, Nav and a boogie with a hoodie. I mm -hmm. don't know. But for Sov, so, uh, have you had the chance to check out the soundtrack yet? I have, and they've released Calling as the singles. That's the one I'm most familiar with. Just to save you, I give all of me. I can hear you screaming, I'm calling me. Yeah, that one right now has, I think, like 2 million views. My first, my first thought was that I just didn't think it had that classic hit like Sunflower. Yeah, it's not really the banger of the summer, you know? I think that the song hits more with emotionally what's going on in this movie. Yeah. And there's a music video out now. You should check it out. Maybe maybe wait until after you see the movie because there's a lot of visuals if you want to be surprised. Uh, but I think that it really hits emotionally where Miles Morales is at coming into this one, where Gwen Stacy's at too. And... Sure, it's not the smash hit. It's not going to be Sunflower, but it's it's a decent song. It's fine. It, it's pretty mellow. I have to say, I heard the soundtrack from start to finish before watching the film, and mm. I was really lukewarm on it. After watching the film, really enjoyed it. Okay. Really, but it's more like the whole soundtrack is just a vibe. And it's just that Miles Morales, Spider-Man vibe that I feel like th these movies do such a great Again, it's good storytelling. It's not It's not that it's modern music that is hip right now. You know, it's also, that's what Miles listens to, you know. And this m movie, too, we have another scene where he puts on headphones. Right. You know, like, music is a very important part of this character. So, yeah, I, I, am, I am into it. Will the song go on? Will the album go on? We, we don't Time know yet. Time will tell. <laughs> All right, but we're going to take a quick break. But finally, when we come back, our first like official episode back, Mark McCulloch will join us and we're going to cover Hero from Spider-Man 2002. Let's go! Season 2! <laughs> Mark, it's great to have you back. As our loyal listeners might recognize you, you were with us on season one now it's season two and we couldn't wait to have you back man we had a blast on that armageddon episode my ride i had a great time i felt it was my duty to uh represent and defend armageddon <laughs> uh, and we'll see how today goes well the funny thing is when i reached out to you i thought we were gonna do i don't know a mission impossible independence day 
But we had this song on our radar, and then you also came and you also suggested a song. It was like a perfect match, but... Oh, it was meant to be. Yeah, I was not expecting Hero was going to be on it. So what was it about this song that made you want to pick for this episode? Well, I've got to say, it, it, when when coming on board, it's very difficult to select a song because you have this great library of, of great options to to choose from. And it's honestly very hard. I could appear on 24 episodes selfishly, but I'm sure you have other guests that, that would love to uh, to jump in. But but there's so many I would love to be able to talk about. And this is one of them. This movie uh, just kind of came in, in some formative years of mine. This movie meant a lot to me. And then obviously this song was everywhere. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that more. But th- this movie is very special. You are planning on your channel, YouTube channel, Popcorn Vinyl, a Spider-Man soundtrack vinyl review? Yeah, I mean, this this is one of those ones that they released in the last few months, and there's a couple of variants, I think, that came out. And I, I didn't buy it yet, and then when we chatted about it, I'm like, yeah, you know what, I gotta, I gotta buy this soundtrack, and I'm gonna talk about it, because it is one of the best superhero scores of all time. I had to have it, so I'll, I'll be chatting about that, and hopefully we'll release it around the same time. And uh, yeah, lots to talk about with this movie. So, you know the rule here, before we talk about the song, you gotta talk about its creator. Yes, the movie! And Sophie, in order to do so, why don't you set up the film for us? That I can do. Spider-Man is a 2002 superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. The film was directed by Sam Raimi, written by David Cope, and stars Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and Willem Dafoe. The movie tells the story of Peter Parker, a high school student who gains spider-like super abilities. A 27-year-old high school student (laughs) who gains spider. He's bitten by a genetically modified spider. And as Peter learns to control his powers, he becomes the superhero known as Spider-Man and sets out to stop the villainous Green Goblin who is set on ridding the city of its new hero. However, when Peter's new powers start to make his life more complicated, he has to choose who he wants to be. Peter or Spider-Man. Spider-Man was a critical and commercial success, grossing over 825 million worldwide, and it received positive reviews for its performances, visual effects, action sequences, and its story. It's a record breaker. It was the first film to reach 100 million in a single weekend, and it's also the most successful film based on a comic book at the time. Obviously, I'm sure records have been very shattered by this point. It was also the third highest grossing film of 2002, with the other films beating that out being Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and Lord of the Rings Two Towers. That's an impressive feat since the other two were sequels of two of the most successful franchises of all time. Speaking of sequels, this movie also spawned two of its own, Spider-Man 2 in 2004 and Spider-Man 3 in 2007. Not the most original names, but that's all right. Both were directed by Raimi and stars Maguire, Dunst, and Franco. So let's dive into talking about the first movie of this iconic franchise. Well, Mark, you mentioned that this movie came in very some very formative years. So, man, what's what's the connection? What's what's your relationship with this movie? Like, do you still have that strong connection to it? People in my personal life, my family and friends, if if someone were to guess who my favorite superhero would be. 
everybody would say Batman. Hmm. But I would actually say Spider-Man is shockingly like neck and neck for me personally for, for favorite superhero. This film, it, you know, it came at a time when I was in high school. I just identified so much with the Peter Parker character. I, hmm. I was a nerdy guy. I was into photography. You got bitten by a spire one day and yeah. fell weird. One time, you know. <laughs> That's and, all it takes. And again, the the sort of the love story at the time, <laughs> there was this girl that I was crushing on pretty hard at the time. No, you who, had, so who, I was going to ask like, oh, you had a Mary Jane? Apparently you did. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> We it never do. worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it never worked out, but uh, there was just this girl I was crushing on. And to to be honest, had, uh, would Peter Parker and Murray Jane would have worked out if he had not been by a spider? Maybe unanswerable questions. But like, you know, like who knows? You just, you were a, a, a spider bit away from like. Maybe, maybe it could have worked out, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with <laughs> where the universe took me. <laughs> That whole story, it's just the whole time watching it, I'm like, I am Peter Parker. <laughs> and and I'm sure many other youths uh, in a similar position to me identified with that. So so there was that connection. But this, this might be a hot take in some circles. But I think Spider-Man is the most important superhero movie when you're looking at today's landscape of films. And I would put it in a Ooh. sense that X-Men sort of volleyed the ball up and Spider-Man spiked it down in terms of having superhero movies that are, are taken seriously. And, and obviously there was Superman, Batman before it. There was, you know, there was Blade. There was other comic book related properties, Spawn. But this one, it took itself both seriously and not. Like like there's obviously the campy aspect of the, of this film, but, but it took the material seriously. You bring up a really good point because it takes itself seriously where it needs to on the Peter side. Yeah. But then on the Spider-Man, it doesn't. And, and that's like one of the things I enjoy most about not just Spider-Man, the entire trilogy is that you have that really good balance versus, I don't know, modern day Marvel. Some of those films don't do that. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. they take themselves, especially maybe on the DC side, it it's way over serious. And you're like, at the end of the day, you're wearing a cape. And, you know, and yeah. I, I love superhero. I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing, but I think it's underrated that to achieve that balance. And maybe that's why it's still, I mean, I, I, spoilers, but they still hold up these Spider-Man trilogy yeah. for me. Uh, agreed. And I think um, Raimi was the perfect person to direct this, to have that perfect sort of fusion of fun and camp and, and, and serious storytelling. There was real kind of emotional connection with the characters. You really felt that they were real people when they're not, when, you know, when he's not wearing his, his bright colored suit. And, you know, the special effects, they were fantastic. I think they, for the most part, still hold up or, or are good enough for you to suspend your your disbelief. You know, the the awesome camera work, I, th I think they call it the Spidey Cam, what they were to achieve. Like you felt like you were Spider-Man flying through New York. Uh, so I just think it's such an important film. And that's really, truly what kicked off the, the superhero behemoth that we are in now. If it wasn't for Spider-Man, I don't know if we would be where we are today. Uh, yeah, I don't maybe, think that's but, a hot take. I think that's a pretty like accepted take. Not to take away the thunder, but I think yeah, I think I think it's well agree that this is a really important moment in in that type of like storytelling superhero in Hollywood. I definitely agree, but I also think that the Dark Knight kind of is usually given most of that credit, and Spider Man is the sort of the perfect middle point between the campy 90s Batman and then what would ultimately become like the DC Batman series of the Batman movies. I think Spider-Man is more of 
hey, this intellectual property has power. Like it can set records in Hollywood. Like this is a cash cow. We can tell great stories there. Let's start mining this. I think The Dark Knight for me is like, hey, this isn't just superhero films. You can actually do, for lack of a better word, cinema with a superhero character if you give it the right approach, the right attention to detail. To me, it's kind of like different benchmarks, but to Mark's point, if we didn't have Spider-Man, we maybe Christopher Nolan doesn't even have the chance to do a Batman. I don't, I right. don't know. Yeah, I agree. I guess the, the hot take comes in is, is where people would argue what what made this superhero genre take off to the to the point where it is now. You know, what what yeah. movie was that? Because there there are so many options, uh, and I, and I would say this is the the most important one. My experience is very, very similar to yours, Marks. It's so hard not to identify with Peter. But Sophie, I'm curious what your connection to this movie like did you was it a present in your life back then like did you is it something that even do you give a shit about it you know <laughs> oh, i debated whether i should tell this story or not but whatever we're, we're here the truth yeah <laughs> no it's just mark and me like it's not like we're doing it's not like anything. anyone else is yeah, listening yeah. um yeah so I think I didn't see it in the theaters at the time. However, I'm pretty sure that my friend's older sister had a crush on Tobey Maguire. So we were watching this movie a lot at her house. And we decided to dub over the entire movie ourselves. So I am very familiar with the first 30 minutes of this movie because my friends and I decided to dub over this movie with our own dialogue. And to this day, I think that we have <laughs> some inside jokes based on this movie. And I wish I still had that. I don't know whose old Windows 95 that file is on. Windows Movie Maker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. Soon, to, soon to be available exclusively to Patreon members. Yeah, we'll yeah, exactly. put that on the Patreon. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. You still, yeah, only on Patreon will you see Sophie's Windows Movie yeah. Maker. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We were just some like pretty goofy, nerdy kids, obviously, to do something as weird as that. I have so many questions that we don't have time, but like, yeah. maybe I'll just, if I can ask, like, how did it work? Did you have each roles? Did like, were like, who played, like, play who? Well, we were probably about 13. So we started out with roles and then we ended up switching halfway through based on whoever had the best joke for the character. So. Well, what about now? You obviously saw this in preparation. You're not the most superhero fan, you know, although you don't have anything against, you know, you'll I, enjoy I dabble. a few. Yeah, I dabble. I dabble. Watching this again in preparation for this was the first time I'd seen it in a very long time. And I was very happy to see that it, for the most part, like Mark said, it holds up. Even even the visual effects, I thought like, hey, that looks pretty wow. cool. Okay. Both of you have mentioned the visual effects and I have something to say about that, but I want to, so keep on going. <laughs> uh, oh, one more thing I will say on, it must have been, e it was either a spot on TV or in the special features on the DVD, but they showed how they filmed the scene of when Peter first realizes he can climb up walls. As a kid who was just getting interested in movie making, it blew my mind that he was crawling on the ground and they just put the camera sideways to make it look like he was crawling up the wall. Like, I will absolutely remember that and having my little mind blown. You think kids nowadays or, or, or I don't know, if you see like a like a Doctor Strange 2 behind the scenes, it's just like a lot of green. Yeah, it's just them in like a green room. So whatever. There was a moment where I would say, man, the visual effects in Spider-Man 1 like really have not hold up one. Like I would really I would point to like that goblin fight. And having said that, 
flash forward now to sort of the current state of VFX quality in superhero movies. Honestly, it's kind of even, I would say, refreshing to see when, when I saw Spider-Man. I was like, they're on location and they're running. And even though it's not the like whipping around, whatever, it's just, I don't know, it just felt better to the eyeball this time around. And I'd rather take that than just the the bad streak we're currently on and you know maybe superhero genre turns to ship around but yeah i agree because even if maybe the explosion doesn't look like the most real thing in the world at least that wall in the background was probably a real wall i I guess i would say like if you compare what a set piece from spider-man is to what a set piece from mother marvel it's like basically spider-man is taking baby steps it's like literally just on a town square, shooting up and running. Compare that to a set piece in Guardians of the Galaxy or Doctor Strange or anything. It's just, it's like the most convoluted, like interdimensional, all that stuff. I can see how someone from a younger generation who grew up with that being like, this is so effing boring. Like he's just dodging a bus. That's it. Like I said, for me, it kind of feels refreshing in a surprising way. I was kind of taken aback. Like, ah, I kind of, I am enjoying this. And I just, I think it's, it just speaks to my personal fatigue right now. (laughs) <laughs> on the state of VFX with superhero movies, but... I hear you. Sophie and I were talking on prep for the pod, Mark, and I want to get you in on this. We were talking about, is Kristen Dunst underrated? I was the one who brought it up, and I, and I said it, because for a moment, I, I took a pause and be like, man, she's had a f- fantastic career, like, as a child actress. I mean, she's in, she's in some of my favorite movies as a kid, Jumanji. Uh, Small Soldier's not my favorite, but anyway, came to mind. Interview with a Vampire? Interview with a Vampire. she was yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also has a great career as a teenager. It's like, she, it's not like she took a break, like, with some and then comes back in the 20s. No, like, Virgin Suicide. She's always been present doing great films like just The Power of the Dark. She got nominated for an Oscar, but I feel like she's maybe not thought of in sort of like a prestige kind of way. Like she's not like a Carrie Mulligan or I don't know, Jennifer Lawrence, but but, you know, like I, I, I don't know. Or, or an Amy Adams. Maybe she is. I don't know. My read of it is that she's sort of maybe on the more commercial side. I think she's a phenomenal actress. And I don't know. I'm curious what you think, Mark. That's a great question because she has done a lot of pretty solid films. She gives good performances. I feel like she should be more prominent maybe than than she is. And I don't know if that that's anything to do with any decisions she has made in her in her career. But but she also never stands out or, or kind of blows me away in anything. Like she's just this is going to sound terrible, but like serviceable to those movies for me. So I don't know. I really don't know where I I stand with her. I think she's just up appropriately rated? I think she's fantastic. I'm not going to say that she's underrated, but I do think that I was surprised when I looked up. I mean, who who cares what the awards shows say? But I, I thought that she would have been at least nominated for more than she has. Uh, I think she has a really impressive career. She rarely makes a misstep. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, she's great in a lot of things. She makes a lot of really smart choices. Like she doesn't have any aloha, you know, Emma Stone aloha. (laughs) Like, I don't know, maybe she does. I just, I'm blanking out right now, but I can't think of like a major red flag or like even, she was even in Fargo was great on TV. Like so many things that I'm kind of like, man, should I just like give her more respect? Maybe I should, I should too. Like I, I don't know if I'm happy with my answer that I gave because really she has great performances, no missteps, kind of like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. She did Melancholia with Lars von Trier. When I, I really loved that film, and I thought she was really good on it. She, that was like a really good performance. 
I guess for myself, I don't know why I don't hold her in mm-hmm. higher regard because I have liked mm-hmm. her in everything that she's been in. That's a hell of a question. I yeah. don't know. Uh, I think really the question is Toby Maguire. Yeah. Where has he been? Well, that would have been a different question, I feel like, before like no poker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that would have been a different question before Spider-Man No Way yeah. Home. If you look at his, at his IMDb, he technically like has not like fallen off the face of the earth. He's been working consistently. I mean, he yeah. was Great Gatsby with Leo. That's a huge role. He was just in Babylon, Damien Chazelle with, you know, like... I think we're going to have a resurgence. You think? Yeah, I think so for him. He's really good at this film. He's my favorite Peter Parker because I grew up with Spider-Man, the animated series. Mm. And to me... I was always a fan of Peter Parker. The Spider-Man almost was secondary. I mean, although I love, trust me, I love the Dr. Octavius and all that stuff, but it was always this emotional element that Spider-Man as a character, Peter Parker as a character has, where he wants to be with Mary Jane. Like, he wants to have this life, but he can't. I, I think Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker is is my favorite for sure. Like, they all have their different flavors. Like, I love Andrew Garfield's, like, Spider-Man, actually. Like, his movement in Spider-Man feel really Spidey, all that stuff. And Tom Holland. Tom Holland is great. He's really funny and all that stuff. But, it, like, Tom Holland doesn't look like a geek in high school, you know? Oh, and Andrew Garfield does? What, no, when neither, I saw neither. That, he was like, oh, When I saw that casting, I was like, yeah, sure. That's okay. the thing. But, but, <laughs> but Toby, Tommy Maguire, I, and again, this is all just personal preference, it just connects more to like my idea of Peter Parker and, no, of and co- what I of grew course. up with. Yeah, and, I was actually going to bring up this exact point. It, for me, if we're ranking Peter Parker's, it's Toby. If we're ranking Spider-Man's, Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man? I'm going to, I think Andrew Garfield did a really good job with the snarkiness. And then Tom Holland is great at both, but again, very handsome, very charming. I don't know if I buy in that first movie where he's being bullied. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? I mean, I'm I'm surprised how positive. I mean, I, it's not that I thought we were going to be negative, but uh, like, uh, man, seems like Spider-Man 1, 2002 still holds up. Uh, one other point in, in why I think it was an important film was sort of the context of, and timing of the movie's release. Yeah. Oh, Mark, yeah. I was exactly yeah, yeah, going to yeah, bring yeah. this up. Yes. Yeah. So, so we're looking at 2002 in New York, right. you know, fairly fresh right off 9-11. Even the original trailer featured the towers, uh, which they, you know, the studio later edited out. Right. This was this was such a needed film uh, by by people at the time. There was just people were were down, uh, and there was a great sense of despair and fear and all that kind of thing. And this this film really connected with with hope and in. In, in a bit, in a bit of a cheeseball way, sometimes, but I think we were all fine with it. We're like, yeah, this is what we need right now, and and I think that helped really connect with a lot of audiences. Yeah, I, mean, I completely, completely agree. There were definitely movies that would come that would address the topic of nine eleven head on, and I think this movie did it inadvertently and kind of mm-hmm. accidentally due to the timing um, and also out of necessity. And that's sort of like the character of Spider-Man, right? He's reckoning with his powers and his own responsibility and he's sort of a reluctant hero. And uh, like you said, it was sort of cathartic for a movie to come out about a young man protecting New York specifically. Yeah, I mean, to be discussed, but is it a consequence that we get the movie song is named Hero? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was listening to a podcast today on Bansplain. And they were talking about how Andrew Dice, no, not Andrew Dice Clay, the WC, Andrew WK. Is, anyway, the, the, I forget the artist who released the song Party Hard. Let's get a party going, let's get a party going. Now it's time to party and 
That came out in October 2001. It's, I don't know if that's the mood right now versus I feel like this is more of better job at like reading the room and yeah. And, yeah. and I do think that maybe this song's popularity could be owed to the fact that this sort of for a period of time became a response to 9-11 sort of claiming back some power. Well, we're going to take a short break, but definitely when we come back, let's go. We're back and it's time to deep dive into Hero by Chad Kroger featuring Joe C. Scott, which by the way, I thought it was Joe C. Scott, but no, it's Joe C. Scott from the 2002 (laughs) film Spider-Man. Wow. Do we have so much to talk about here? Let's just do a song setup, Sophie. Let's just get this thing on the way. Agree wholeheartedly. Hero is a song written and performed by Canadian rock artist and lead singer of Nickelback, Chad Kroger. It features Josie Scott, the lead vocalist of the rock band Saliva, and it appears in the Sorry. 2002 film Spider-Man. <laughs> What's so funny? It's just the saliva. Saliva, saliva, saliva. yeah. I, I know. That's what it <laughs> I personally, am, I love that band name. A+. Uh, The recording of the song is kind of a who's who of 2000s rock. It features Mike Kroger, the Nickelback bassist, Tyler Connolly, the lead singer and guitarist of Theory of a Dead Man, and Matt Cameron, the drummer for Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. I mean, is it? I don't know. Matt Cameron sounds like a good resume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I Matt, Matt Cameron. I, yeah. Like, it's <laughs> I, just I have know a nickelback in <laughs> Well, according to Kroger, he brought Hero to Nickelback, but it was nixed for not sounding like a Nickelback song. Something Kroger himself disagrees with and even threw Ryan Peake, the band's lead guitarist, under the bus, naming him as the song's main detractor. Anyway, it seems like Kroger had to go solo on this one with recording the song, but he recruited Josie Scott for the project. Uh, Some deeper sleuthing revealed that they had the same manager at the time, so maybe that could be a reason for this pairing, just my best guess. But Kroger and Scott reworked the song together for the Spider-Man soundtrack, and they both filmed a music video for the song. It features them singing on a New York rooftop, and of course we have spliced in movie scene tie-ins. Hero was a commercial success, reaching number three on the Billboard Hot 100. It's also worth noting that this was a cross-genre hit, as it reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock and Mainstream Rock charts, but also number two and five on the Mainstream Top 40 and Adult Top 40 charts, which are known for being pop charts. The song also received three Grammy nominations, if you can believe it, um, for Best Song Written for a Motion Picture, Television, or Other Visual Media. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, Also, Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal and Best Rock Song. Yeah, the reason I said I can't, because there's like a Grammy category for everything. It's like Best Song Written with Red Shoes in the studio. I don't know. There are also apparently two versions of this song. Uh, One is a radio version, and then there's the motion picture version, which features an orchestral background. If you can find both of these, please tag me, because for the life of me, I could not find the radio version anywhere. I would say there used to be two versions, but one of them got scrubbed from Earth. Yeah. It has been lost (laughs) 
to time. I wanted to play both of them to compare, which is something that we like to do. Um, we did that on the You Know My Name episode, because with, with Bond songs, they always put out multiple ones. But um, ironically, here, it seems like the motion picture version is the one everyone knows, and the radio version was never played on the radio. So hopefully I got that right. I don't know which version is which, but I want to hear what you two have to say about this song. If it comes on the radio, are you turning up the volume or changing the station? Mark, you're the guest. You got the first word. Let's go. So I'm not sure if your guest is supposed to be a, a champion for the song that is no. being discussed. Or, no. No. So I feel it, this song is fine. It's okay. It is it is serviceable to the film. It's It's fine as a top 40s. Uh, you know, chart topper kind of thing. It, it's just okay. If you were to transport 50 years from now, nobody will know what this song is. Spoiler, the song There'll will be, not go on according to I, I know, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I, I could save that for that discussion. Yeah. But the criticisms of Nickelback and, and Chad Kroger, I never got on the bandwagon of, of hating Nickelback. Again, they're fine. They're they're just on the radio. I I won't turn them off. I won't choose to play them, but they're fine. Uh, I don't think they're the devil. Uh, they are the McDonald's uh, of music. You mm. know what you're going to get. They're not, you know, they're not the best, but they're they're fine to enjoy from, from time to time. It's not necessarily good for you, but every once in a while yeah. when you want to indulge and do something fun, why not? This is where I'll put into context to some of my like musical preferences in, in terms of Lyrics are not important to me, uh, mm. and you'll know that because of Same, yeah. being into scores. Yeah. But there's for a lot of people, the artistry in writing lyrics, the the poetry of it, is a significant portion of a song being meaningful and, and enjoyable. But for me, I don't care what they're saying. To me, the voice is is an instrument to support the the song. So if it sounds mm. good to me. I don't care what they're saying. So on the music and lyrics side, on that Hugh Grant movie, Drew Barrymore, you're on the Hugh Grant side, just like me. Welcome you with warm, so. arms wide open. That's the same. But <laughs> so it's funny you, you say you say that because I have a clip of the making of where Shaq Kroger talks about where like his lyric inspiration came from. I think a friend of mine said to me she was skiing someplace. She phoned somebody back home and said, listen, can you hear that? And I said, no, I can't hear it. She said, really? I said, what is it? She said, I'm, I'm so high I can hear heaven. You know, because somebody was standing on a mountaintop. And I love that. I'm so high I can hear heaven. And then I just took that line you know, from that conversation, from the story, and, uh, and started the song. Joke number one. Was she high in a high way or was she in a mountain? If I was stoned, I could think of lyrics like that too. I like to, to me, that's not a, a meaningful, it, it's, you know, a, well, a basic observation. <laughs> well, my favorite part is that the best lyric in this entire song just came from some lady on a mountaintop. He didn't even write it. Also, <laughs> Hall of Fame for phone reception. Shit. She's so high. She can hear heaven, but she can also make a call. Also... What a Canadian story. Oh, I was talking to my friend while she was skiing. Hey, well, Mark, as a Canadian, is that a Canadian story or are you, were you like, huh? <laughs> no, that, 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 that is pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, because he's from Alberta too. So that's that's the, the mountainous side. Sophie, when you dubbed 
three minutes of this film at age of 13 with your friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you also record a duet with your friend for this song or did you not have a clue that wow. this song Wow, missed opportunity for marketing. Um, but no, we did not. I wish we had. Then what's your connection to this song? Did you just like <laughs> learn about it like a week ago? No, I definitely knew it. And <laughs> I, like a lot of people, actually thought that this was a Nickelback song. It is. I, to be very honest, have listened to this song. And I was like, when is Josie Scott singing? And it was only when I watched the music video where I was like, oh, yeah, there he is. So they that's just, blasphemy. They, they sound have, so different. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> All of that to say, I, like Mark, have always felt like Nickelback gets a bad rap they're not that bad actually to be as commercial as they are they have to know what they're doing it has to be appealing to a lot of people does that make them the best rock group in the world no but they're definitely not the worst because the worst would be something that you can't even listen to this is very passable very serviceable i'm fine with it I feel like this is a very 2023 opinion to have that like Nickelback is fine, which is it's fine. But you alluded to something I wanted to obviously there's talk about the elephant in the room and it's Nickelback and that whole like Nickelback is the worst sound emitted on earth, whatever that trend that became. And I've always really, really been against that, not just Nickelback, but like any trend you just... Mm -hmm. Start noticing people repeating an opinion just because they hear it. And then you're kind of like, really, is that really how you sort of feel? But I, I'm, I'm doing the research. I found a really good YouTube essay and they did a really, actually, I was surprised. Like it was not a clickbait title. The title of the video essay was how Nickelback became the most hated band ever. And the YouTuber is like Sonny V2. And he, he had mm -hmm. like a really good spot. And I, I'm just going to clip a little bit. I mean, it's a whole video essay. I can't play the whole thing, but... Something just to get us started. In 2003, approximately eight years after Nickelback was created, a comedian by the name of Brian Posehn would appear on a Comedy Central talk show titled Tough Crowd, during which he would make a joke about bad music making people violent, before using Nickelback as an example. Bad music makes people violent. Like, Nickelback makes me want to kill Nickelback. At the time, the other hosts on the show didn't even know who Nickelback was, yet Brian Posehn continued to reassure them with conviction that the band was truly horrible. I'm so old, I don't even know Nickelback. Now you'd probably assume that this one little comment wasn't enough to make the entire world hate Nickelback, right? Well, the problem was, instead of this comment being a small thing in a relatively obscure episode on Comedy Central, the joke was actually featured in the station's main commercial, which was broadcast to millions for a period of over six months. With it, the hatred for Nickelback began to go viral, which was outlined by one user on Reddit who stated, the joke was on every tough crowd promo and nearly all the time. After hearing this joke during every promo for a couple of weeks, I began to hear everyone at my middle school begin to mock Nickelback mercilessly. And this reminds me a couple of things. First, Knocked Up had that joke like, you know, I know you're gay, what? You like Coldplay? Then remember, Coldplay was the butt of a joke I remember for a while. Same with you two, like South Park <laughs> made, I think, fun of you two. And it's like, it is a thing. Like you, mm -hmm. back in the monoculture power days, You can't have these things. But also, Sophie said, this is how you remind me by Nickelback. Like, it's the number one most played song on the radio in the decade. Not just that year, the decade of the 2000s. That can backfire. Like, I remember before the internet, like, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. Like, how people grew to hate that song. Because it was so much played on the radio. Like, literally, I remember being in the car 
the song will go on and at least two people in the car will be like, ah, change that shit. And it's a great song, but it is a thing. And and Yeah, I mean, I think that being so commercial can be to a group's detriment. It can get overplayed and then people get tired. That's one of the, the frustrating arguments you hear all the time is they're overplayed. Well, there's a reason for that. There's clearly a desire or popularity or... It's getting the ratings. It's getting the listens. So they will continue to play that. It is, it's a supply and demand type of thing. So here's what I was going to say. You can't have some role in that. For example, maybe now the new sort of like Nickelback is Imagine Dragon. That's the present sort of like butt of the joke. And mm-hmm. I would say, though, in, in that case, my, just from my point of view, they maybe have a little bit more role because I was fine with Imagine Dragon when they came out. I have no nothing against them, all that stuff. I enjoy their song. But then you start seeing them in commercials all the time. And yeah, sure, I'm sure they got a pretty big bag off of that. But you can also dilute your product if you put it in commercial all the time. So it, like, you, it can backfire, that kind of thing. But I have a question then. If everyone says that they hate Nickelback and everyone says that they hate Imagine Dragons, someone is listening to this shit to make it that popular. Like they have fans out there. <laughs> and even though I personally don't know someone who's been to an Imagine Dragons concert, they're raking in the dough. They have so many, I don't, I I used to have the number up here. I don't have it in front of me. They have so many monthly Spotify listens and even Nickelback too. So someone is supporting these groups or, and they're just pretending that they're not. Can can I toss in a, a uniquely Canadian perspective? Please. There is an agency here called the the CRTC, the Canadian Radio and Television Commission. So it's similar to the FCC. They basically put forth laws and and regulations related to to TV and radio. And in Canada, they have regulations that require radio stations to play for 40% of their airtime to be Canadian content, to be a Canadian artist, which if you think about how much popular music is out there, that is a shit ton of time to devote to Canadian artists. Obviously, it's meant to promote, you know, local artists and, 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 you know, artists from Canada. But what that means is when there is a commercially successful artist from Canada, the Nickelbacks, the Justin Biebers, they are played constantly here mm. because they have that quota to fill. So any remotely commercially successful artist, they will play them over and over. So if you think you hear a lot of that <laughs> stuff there, it is... A lot here. And I think that contributed to, especially here, the belief that Nickelback were played. Is this a blame Canada? Blame Canada. Maybe. <laughs> blame, blame this governmental organization that yeah. requires Canadian content. And again, obviously, I want to support Canadian artists, but, yeah. but this rule like, is just so much uh, of this. So I have a question. When Chad Kroger and Avril Lavigne got married, was that like the royal wedding in Canada? (laughs) (laughs) As is tradition. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Do you have like commemorative China? (laughs) I do. I've I've bumped into Avril Lavigne twice, actually. Really? Oh, tell (laughs) if if it's a third time, tell her I love her. I will. She's so tiny. She is. I I don't think she's five feet tall. I'm a big guy, so I just (laughs) tell over her. But anyways, she was nice. Oh, that, that... Really just warms my heart. Sophie needs a minute. (laughs) I know. Sophie needs a minute (laughs) to like process that that information. Her first album was very formative for me as a young Mm. sixth grader. So if I may, I would like to talk a little bit about this song's genre. And it relates to Nickelback too. 
So I personally love categorizing music into genres. I think it's really interesting how they connect and overlap. It's like that scene in School of Rock when he has the whole blackboard filled out with all the different artists. And like, I wish I could sit in on that class. <laughs> you picked a really good reference. And part of me was like, Sophie, you can't put art on a box because you can't like label it, you know? But no, that's actually like the school of rock makes me. Yeah, I get it. I get where you're going. Yeah. And there are so many different categorizations. It's definitely an art and not a science. But so Nickelback has been categorized as post grunge, hard rock, heavy metal, pop rock and new metal. And some of those I agree with. Some of those I think are kind of a stretch. Uh, but there's also another term that we have heard used to categorize them. And it is butt rock, B-U-T-T, rock. And that is definitely a disparaging term. <laughs> um, it is usually applied to bands that have mainstream rock hits like Hero, lyrics that are either generic or void of artistic merit and uh, musically lack complexity. It's very easily digestible rock for the uninitiated, and that's why it appeals to so many people. But I wanted to figure out kind of like where this term came from, and it looks like there are two explanations. In learning this, actually, I learned that butt rock came about way earlier than I thought. So there are two different categorizations of that. One is uh, from the 80s, and... Then we oh, have. Don't the say anything bad about the eighties. I won't. Where are you going yeah. with this? I was, I was on board with the yeah. book. Where are you going? Uh, and then the other one is the post-grunge period of the late nineties and into the two thousands, where we find the Nickelbacks and the Saliva, <laughs> the band. Not anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's generally agreed upon that butt rock may have come from a radio station advertising that they played rock and nothing but rock. Real Rock FM, yeah. where we play nothing but rock. <laughs> <laughs> so on those stations is where you can find the Nickelbacks and butt rock. There you go. Other sources say that since it came about in the 80s, it might have spawned from the popular 80s insult butthead. <laughs> so butt rock of the 80s was like Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, Warren. And this is blasphemy, but continue. <laughs> well, wait, I you will see where I'm going with this. So the popular songs from those bands, we can all, even though we love them, we can all say it's not about substance. They're about partying and sex. And you know the ones I'm talking about here. Looking like a tramp, like a video I don't know what you're talking about. I just heard bangers. Is that a banger <laughs> montage? Well, that's part of it. Okay, so you might not be too surprised to hear that these bands are also referred to as cock rock <laughs> because it's rock by the boys for the boys. They just want to get babes and look good doing it. <laughs> and it's all about spectacle and minimal substance because we don't have time for that. We're partying too hard to care about substance. 
And then historically, you know, in this middle period, we're getting into the 90s, hair bands fade out of popularity and the Seattle grunge scene becomes massive uh, with bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana. And they're kind of reluctantly taking the rock scene by storm. Here's a quick clip of what how grunge came in. And it's also an aesthetic change. Rockers are trading leather and scarves for like jeans and plaid flannel shirts. And they still have long hair, but like they wouldn't dare try to touch hairspray. Trading cocks for hair. Yeah. Oh, no. 80s had hair. Too. Yeah. And everything is way more casual. And the songs have become, well, if you're a fan of grunge, you would say it's introspective. If you're a critic of the genre, then you might call it navel gazing. But at at any rate, it's a total reaction to the hair bands of the 80s of the cock rock. And it's just a 180 from that. So now, finally, we are here in the late 90s and mid 2000s. And the bands kind of still the rock bands, at least still have the casual look from grunge. And they've added some like inspiration from new metal, but they're not having as and they're not having as much fun as like the 80s bands. (laughs) The music is generally darker and angstier and um, it's slower, heavier. And the male vocalists sing in like a really deep tone, unlike some of those 80s examples that we heard. And then this. Exactly. (laughs) And then this is where you get Nickelback, Creed, Stained, Three Days Grace, Disturbed, all your favorites or not. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what they sound like. I like it if I say this song. That uh, uh, Sophie's almost head banging. Honestly, Save the best for last. Depends on your opinion of best. But anyway, so all that to say is I'm I'm a bit of a butt rock apologist. Like we were all having a great time listening to all of those examples. Actually, just this past weekend, my friend Hiram and I, who you will hear on the pod soon, killed it at how you remind me at karaoke. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) But he wasn't singing alone. No, I said we killed oh, it. Okay, okay, it was okay, a yeah, duet yeah, yeah. of the final. Confess. <laughs> I will confess. I'll, I'll admit it proudly. I, I want to get Mark on this. I'll just say my my life has not been the same since you introduced me to the term butt rock. Yeah. It's been the source of so much joy and laughter. Here's one example of just like, it, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Stop calling it butt rock. Some of us don't like that it's called butt rock and you don't need to call it butt rock. It's a disrespect to all the bands that are playing and the fans of the music. <laughs> I'm talking about Stained. I'm talking about Hinder. I'm talking about Mod, Puddle of Mod. <laughs> These bands make a lot of money selling a lot of albums and you guys are going to call it butt rock? No, dude. It's not fair. I know about music. I got buddies who play in bands. One of my buddies, he plays in a band that played the Detroit Zoo. On a Saturday. (laughs) That's 
good, dude. There was like 500 people there. Sheesh. I get it, dude. I get it. Like I said, my life has not been the same. I'm so happy that this guy's introduced. I, I love it. I love that man. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I called it butt rock. <laughs> but like... It's so fucking funny. It is. Rock. It is butt rock. Like it that's is. what it is, and it's okay that it's butt rock. So, I'm, uh, Mark, let me. We gotta get you in. I'm sorry. I, I keep. I keep going. But is this new info to you? You. You texted me a few things. And oh yes, yes. <laughs> you, you wrote about butt rock, and I'm like, uh, like, was that a typo? What the hell is? That? <laughs> I ask. I ask. So I had never heard that. <laughs> I texted Mark for preparation. Be like, what are you like? Be ready for your like top three butt rock. Uh, uh, bands and he's like butt rock question mark and i just like laugh again this is just a the source of laughter right now in my life is just butt rock so i'd never heard that term and then i started like googling it and i i saw the bands and i didn't even see the description i just saw the bands that it listed i'm like oh okay like i see the group that it is uh, oh, the category okay. it or box like that it's put. but it, no, it just makes like those <laughs> those bands grouped together that that makes sense yeah, 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 and yeah. this is why i was so interested to learn that there was an 80, the first wave right. of butt rock, if you will, in the 80s, because these bands sound nothing like the 2000s butt rock. It's one of those things where it's hard to define because it's more of a you know it when you hear it thing instead of having terms to categorize it. I, I go back to all of these bands. They are the McDonald's of music. I think that's probably the best analogy. Yeah, they are. They're fine. They're not great. They're not sophisticated, but they're enjoyable to consume every once in a while. They have apparently very loyal fan bases who are at the zoo waiting for them to perform. And I love that for them. <laughs> On a Saturday. On a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Here's the thing. So it hasn't all been fun in my life since you introduced the term butt rock because first of all, I listened to a lot of butt rock in my days. I listened to all these bands. We all did. I grew out of it, but the more shocking thing is, I think I had a butt rock band in high school. Please oh. say that you have a clip, please. No, 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 no. Oh my no, god, no. Paolo. God, no. Play the clip. <laughs> that has, I will subscribe. That is hiding in the same place the whatever orchestral version of Hero is. It's been scrubbed from the earth. If you release your butt rock music, I'll release my dub I think, of Spider-Man. I, <laughs> I think I was in a butt rock band and I'm like, I'm still processing that information. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I need time with it. But I, I will say, say though, like all of our opinions, I, I think they're pretty similar on, on this genre, let's say. Yes. But largely, I think that's because we're all a similar age. And this came out in those formative high school years. Somebody older or much younger, I don't think they would have the same reading of those bands. All right. So that's fair. I have a surprise for you both. Yes, Sophia, how's the surprise for you? This isn't something you don't know, but I prepared a game. <gasps> you guys want to be on a game? It's yes. called the Butt Rock Game Show. Okay. I will lose. <laughs> I'm going to say the name of a band. Ooh, okay. And you're going to say if it's a butt rock or not. Ooh, so we just have to go off vibes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mark, I'll start with you. <laughs> the band Creed. Absolutely. Yes. They can take me higher. Yes. <laughs> Wait, Creed so there are correct answers? <laughs> yes. I'm the judge. Okay, Creed okay. is butt rock. Okay. Sophie. Uh-huh. Linking Park. Is it butt rock? Ooh. No, they're emo. 
That's oh. right. <laughs> Bodrog does not collaborate with JC. They are not Bodrog. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. Let's go, Mark. Three doors down. Are they Bodrog? Yes. Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> you guys are killing it. <laughs> Sophie. Yeah. Some 41. Ooh. No, I'd, I'd say pop punk. No. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Although they do sound like Bud, often confused, they are not. <laughs> I love some 41. <laughs> Which, by the way, they have an original song on the Spider-Man soundtrack. I know. They threw that right at the very end of the credits. They were ashamed of that. All right, you guys are still tied. Maybe there's one here that's going to trip, but let's okay. go. Let's go. Mark. Jimmy Eat World. Are they Bud Rock? No. Dang it, that's correct, too. Oh. Yes, they're too good. I like Sophie, Puddle of Mud. Oh, hands down, yes. Yes, they are <laughs> Bud Rock. Still tied. Okay. Uh, Blurry's actually a decent song, but yeah, they are Bud Rock. Mark, Limb Biscuit. Are they Bud Rock? Oh, shit. This could go either way. Uh, I think it depends on the songs. I, I, I'm going to mm. say like half and half. Is that an acceptable answer? <sighs> you got to get a yes or no. Ooh. Uh... I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. No, Mark. I think you could make a case. They are they, not. They are new. They're new metal for sure. But there's definitely overlap there. Yeah, it it, it equally sucks. That's mm -hmm. about rock, but no, they are yeah. not, Mark. So, Sophie, I think you might be the winner. Let's see. Okay. Last one. Avril Lavigne. Oh, my queen, my princess? No, absolutely not. That makes you the winner. That makes you the winner, Sophie. You are the winner of the game is rigged. Game yeah. show. I'm sorry. Last one. Imagine dragons. Oh. Well, okay. I want to hear Mark's answer, and then I have a question for both of you. This was perfect. Couldn't have planned this better. I I think based on some of these definitions, they would now fall into butt rock. I agree. My and answer is maybe. Yeah. To you, still to be determined. Mm. Well, okay, so here's my question. We had, I'm going to call it first wave butt rock of the 80s, and then we had second wave butt rock of the late 90s to mid 2000s. Was there a third wave of butt rock? Imagine Dragons obviously comes to mind. So for those who have been living under a rock, here's what they sound like. Perfectly respectable song. I'm not going to lie. That made my body move the way that the Bot Rock clips it, it did. It always it's, does. It's, 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 you know. It always does. And as Paolo mentioned earlier, they have kind of inherited the all the, the hate. Drone. Those Beats commercial. Yeah. It was just too much, man. <laughs> it was just too much. Sorry. I think that they might belong in a post-2010 wave of Bot Rock. We have a new age of Bot Rock? Yeah. And... I pulled some clips, and I want to know what you guys think if we could loop these together in butt rock. The first is Bastille. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes... Okay, that's just a little warm-up. And I actually had to look up who made this song, because I only knew it from, like, Lowe's commercials, but it's this band called American Authors. It's not. 
And then maybe what would most make my case would be the band Fun. I have made a very alarming and upsetting realization. Please (laughs) share it with us. I think Bud Rock might be one of my favorite genres. <laughs> oh, <Yes>! no. <laughs> no. Just based on it. the clips, <laughs> I, I didn't think I was into it, but uh, all the songs, I'm just, I, I dig it all. I just, it's the McDonald's. I love it. Give it to me. And you know, we are all on Zoom right now, and we danced to every single one of those clips. Right? We did. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, dude. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? It is a concerning trend, I would say. I think you are right. One of the most successful movies of last year, Top Gun Maverick, had a butt rock, what you call it, third generation appearance, or in my terms, a whistle, whistle rock appearance with that volleyball scene, One Republic. Oh, one. Re- yep. That's a great yep. addition. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're one of third like, wave. Yep. If I have to throw like another band under the bus, that good life song. Gonna be a good life, good, good life. Oh, so pal, interesting. Like that one. But this is the one that it, it was a, like a massive hit from Top Gun on the volleyball fucking scene. Mm. I am That's One Republic? Yeah. I had no idea. But this comes back to one issue with music discourse is people shit on bands even though they can personally enjoy that music. Like there's some stuff that just – it just hits you. Like you played these clips and like it just made a bunch of us move. Absolutely. Again, they're they're not great songs but they're enjoyable. And not enough people admit that or will purposely shit on stuff that they actually do deep down like. I do dislike the One Republic song. But <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. But I agree with what you're saying when I do this. That's I fair, really dislike the One Republic song. By the way, we cannot we cannot move on to answerable question. We're almost there, but we haven't talked about Josie Scott, not Josie Scott. Josie Scott. Scott. <laughs> Josie Scott. Mm-hmm. He's the other half in this song, and I actually have... I wouldn't say half. I'd say he's doing well, 30%. To be honest, I think he would say the same thing. Here's him talking about sort of like how he got involved in the song. Mm-hmm. He had the song in his back pocket, basically, and he played me the song, and I was like, uh, can you play that again? He played it again, and I was like... Without looking like it, I had my jaw on the floor. The moment I heard it, I knew that was the one. I didn't want to collaborate anymore. I wanted Chad's song. Well, yeah, now that we know that Nickelback said no, <laughs> yeah, Chad already pretty much had the song. But Josie's definitely involved. There is some tragic aspects to his involvement, though. It did not. It hasn't aged well. He. Yeah. So in 2004, Josie said to MTV, I'm sure he used another word, but I'm going to say screwed. They screwed me on that song. I want the whole world to know it. They made millions off that song and threw me five thousand dollars. That was foul, that was wrong, and that's bullshit. We don't work like that in Memphis. You renege on a contract, you don't see subpoenas and lawyers getting in on it. You see my ass getting on the plane with a baseball bat and going to see who's got my money. So... (laughs) damn Canadians. Whoa. Yeah, so it seems like they had a gentleman's agreement where they collaborated on the harmonies and the recording, and he was supposed to get 
40 grand for the song and then 40 grand for the video. And it looks like that didn't quite pan out. So I wonder, I don't know what the resolution of that is. Uh, he sort of said he was going to get on a plane to Canada with a baseball bat. So they don't let you bring that on a flight. I checked. Oh, OK. All right. I see on your notes, Sophie, something I do want you to mention because I think it's a great collaboration. <laughs> it is. Uh, so here's the last thing that we can say about Butt Rock. Now that we've agreed that there are multiple waves of it, I don't know where you guys were on August 20th, 2022. Speaking for us personally... Wait, 2022? We were in celebrating my birthday in we, Amsterdam. We were. I know where I was. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But we were fools because we could have been in Tulsa... Uh -huh. Witnessing the two eras of butt rock come together for a special few, Josie Scott joined Brett Michaels and, po oh, shit. <laughs> and Poison on stage for a performance of Nothing But A Good Time. And uh, here's what that sounded like from a shitty audience recording on an iPhone. Damn, that sounds awful. Yeah, that was Brett. <laughs> oh, no, I mean the recording. <laughs> no, sure. I know. But Brett, Brett like, hit a sour note there. But that's okay. We're just here to have some, fun. Some recorded the phone on the butt. <laughs> poetic. Boy, uh, you can watch that on YouTube if you want. It's fun. Answerable question. Is that time? Let's move on to answerable question. Seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebump? Mark your first. I mean, if any. I mean, saying heaven is that, that's stretching it a bit. This is like like heaven's waiting room on the bus or something like that. But but really, just uh, the the last chorus. It's not much different than others. It's it's fine. Yeah, but that would be the best part. I, I'm going to do like a quick spoiler. That is exactly my same spot. I do actually like like this song and I listen to it at the moment. And I also think it's a really good movie song and mm -hmm. something I didn't get the chance of playing. But I think it works well with not just the themes of the movie, the feeling of it, but also I found like a TV spot that used the music. And I was like, yes, this feels this feels great. On May 3rd. Like that gives me goosebumps. Who are you? We'll turn her world. I've never even seen his face. Oh, him upside down. I will always be there for you. Spider-Man. Rated PG-13. In a world. <laughs> Did they show a clip of the kiss when they said, turn her world? Upside down. Of course so. Of course they did. Of course. You know, they I didn't know if they wanted to save it for later. But they yeah. rolled the whole thing around it probably. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and maybe, maybe I'm conveying it poorly. Like, like, I, like I do like this song. It's just I don't think it's it's a masterpiece, but I totally enjoy it. It's great. The movie, that spot is great. I totally thought of that spot when you were even like doing that, that intro yeah. of, of mm -hmm. the, the show. Mine kind of picks up where your guys is left off. that harmony oh, i know this is that's what it's, like, it's a classic butt rock harmony they sound like a little constipated it's great that's where i can't like i don't like chad kroger's voice that much is that like raspy <laughs> well do you like 
Eddie Vedder's voice because I feel like all these bands are just trying to copy Pearl Jam's vocals. Well, copy is one thing. Executing is different. And Eddie it's the executes. inspiration. And it's Eddie the inspiration. Executes. But anyway. Also, the musical arrangements from Pearl Jam are, can't even compare apples to, to oranges, but I don't know. In, in, in this song specifically, I would just say in this song specifically, that's some of, when I have the urge to like, let me skip it. It's that sort of a, I'm sorry, so beast. Well, Paolo, it's seconds. my favorite seven seconds. <laughs> favorite <laughs> lyric. Let's move on. Mark, all right. do you have any favorite l- lyrics? Not really. Yeah, yeah that's, all, that's, that's, that's not it's, it's, really it's, it's why we're here. It's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's about the feeling of being a hero, not the words. But I actually, right. Sophie, I think I'm going to be, well, let me not presume, but I know you love the lyrics. I'd be surprised on if you go on an opposite direction. But what are your favorite lyrics? Usually, I, I'm a person who really pays attention to lyrics. I really like the storytelling of them. Um, this song is really just, you get you get what you get. What? And, so- <laughs> and it's, um, my favorite, like I said before, is, I am so high, I can hear heaven. Whoa, but heaven, no heaven, don't hear me. <laughs> I, what a shocking turn of events. I'm gonna talk great about, like, positive about lyrics. Wow, I really didn't see this coming. I actually might be the thing I enjoy. No, I don't know, not what? the most. But, like, I, I, I honestly really like the lyrics. My favorite lyric, I, I guess I'm the only one who has a section, but um, someone told me, love would all save us. No, that's the worst part of the song, Paolo. But how can it be? <laughs> Look at what love gave us. No. A world full of killing and blood spilling? That world never came? No, Paolo, that's the worst part of the song, no. besides the th- stuff about the eagles. <laughs> no, the eagle, that's that's the worst part. I, I, I mean, it's still like, like, what? Are you like hitching a ride with the eagles, okay. I suppose? Uh, Paolo, like... you realize that I just did an entire segment about how the all these songs have terrible lyrics, right? <laughs> I don't think, oh, I honestly man. don't think, I think the storytelling here, it's okay. Like, it's okay. There's there's stuff to enjoy here. I mean, I I, I guess for myself, I'm enjoying. But I, I even had like a second honorable mention. The bridge, <laughs> the bridge part, it goes, and now that the world isn't ending, it's love that I'm sending to you. It's the love of a hero. And that's why I fear it won't do. So it's kind of like the song. It's telling like, shit, like history is going to repeat itself. I don't know. I'm just also. Oh, Paolo, we talked about you the- realize you just chose about 50% of the song's lyrics as your favorite. <laughs> this blows my mind. It's that good. <laughs> that, I, don't know, I, I just think it's solid. This is wild. This is wild. Hall, Hall of Fame moment. It ain't for lyrics, but who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie and or song? It can be a person, a studio, a film, an animal, IP, whatever, whatever you can think of. Mark. Very easy answer to this. I hope it's the same across the board, but the upside down rain kiss oh. is an iconic. It's such a wonderful moment. It's, you know, replicated beautifully in the OC. It's just, I, I love that moment. Yeah, it really is Hall of Fame moment. For MTV Award iconic. winning. I thought yeah. you were going to be Hall of Fame moment for like nipple see-through. That's what I thought you were going to say. Sorry, but it doesn't Hello. sound so I forgot about that. Come I, on. I it, was, that. it was it was a thing. It was a thing. You know, I'm, it's not me. Don't do not do that. It, it was a thing. It was. I, I just forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie, Hall of Fame moments. Do you have any? Hall of Fame moment for learning a lesson the hard way. Peter basically got his uncle killed. Like, it's way harsh. That's basically Spider-Man. And his parents were already dead, and then he lost his father figure. Like, imagine if this was Batman. Like, he would never recover. I mean, 
Yes, that's literally also Batman. He has never recovered. If Batman were to be like, I'm over it. I'm fine with the death of my parents. Nobody, the like, story would be if over. If this happened to Batman, he wouldn't even be able to be Batman. He just would have like gone into a hole somewhere. Like if Alfred died because of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need more layers. Or Robin that. dies. No one cares about Robin. True. <laughs> I have a good one, Hall of Fame. I'm proud of this one. Okay. Hall of Fame moment for butt soundtrack. I don't know that's a thing, but butt, butt soundtracks. Yes, this, mm. this is a butt soundtrack. We have yes. Nickelback, Chuck Kroger, Sum 41, technically well, well, not. Oh, hang on, you just said Sum 41 was not butt rock. I, but I, I said they do sound like butt. They're butt so, adjacent. Butt adjacent. Here, yeah. But they, they have an original song, by the way. For, I know they for, do. completely wrong for this movie like i don't know where this came from um what else quick, we quick sidebar yeah i hate albums that are like music for and inspired by the movie i don't care about other songs like just give me what's in the movie i don't care about anything else yeah that's one quick pet peeve remix with today's current artist or band who would you choose to perform this song if it came today mark what do you got Based on our conversation, this was a very easy answer. And I want to say that, like, I didn't just come up with this. I wrote this down and I have notes. Wow. But my answer was Imagine Dragons. Hell yeah. And Amazing. Just, just my, my, my quick little point form notes here are generic, formulaic, guilty pleasure, commercially appealing, cinematic backing, very mainstream, catchy pop rock, and doesn't have a deeper meaning. That's butt rock, baby. <laughs> All right, mine is very uninspired, and I still don't know how I feel about it. I feel like Butt Rock, specifically Chad. Cr Stop calling it Butt <laughs> Rock. <laughs> I have to do it once. I have to do it once. <laughs> All right, I think Chad Kroger uh, and this style of si singing is very country adjacent. So I kind of just had a poke around on Spotify for who's a popular country artist and, and someone I barely know anything about. It is Luke Combs, based on my uneducated opinion. I think their voices sort of have a similar timber. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's get some candles burning and some records turning all the lights down. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. I'll guess in post-production I listen to it and see how the <laughs> okay, match was. Okay, okay. Here's another. Okay, I have. I chose that because my original one was weird and I still don't know if I can justify it. But I think that this singer has a beautiful intensity to her voice and she could growl her way through this song. Uh, I thought Pink could do a cool pop rock version. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird choice, yeah. but I also don't hate it. Sophie, when in doubt, go weird. Yes, right, that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm not copying out. I generally mean this. Okay. My choice would be Nickelback themselves. You have to get Ryan Peake on board. It'll be the redemption moment of Bot Rock history because just like No Way From Home brought like Tobey Maguire, like th there was like this sort of coming around and celebrating, forgiving the past sins of Spider-Man 3 or Spider-Man, <laughs> The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think Culturally, we're over the Nickelback is the worst in the world thing. And I think if they were, I mean, No Way From Home was the missed opportunity. But if they would have done like a remake of Hero for No Way From Home with Nickelback, I think they would have, oh. the world would have been like, we, we're sorry. We accept you. 
you are redeemed, but you that would have been. I'm so on board for that. Yeah, Paolo, you're actually not the only person with this opinion because when I was looking up YouTube comments for our later segment, I saw a lot of people from a couple years back once the movie was announced saying, we hope that we're going to get another do-over at Hero, which unfortunately they didn't, but. WTF, a moment from the movie or song that made you think you need a second opinion. Uh, Mark, you got anything? Any WTF? I, I think this movie is almost perfect. There's there's things you could certainly nit- nitpick. Uh, the closest I could come up with is maybe the Green Goblin costume. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. At yeah. times, it's, it's you know, it's a little... It off. does. Pretty it looks, campy. It looks, yeah. Uh, Sophie, you have any WTF? Yeah, kind of... Um, the character of Harry as a friend. <laughs> like, I had it... He's yeah. a shitty friend. I had a potential <laughs> Hall of Fame moment for shitty best friends. Yes. Like, fuck. I mean, he's he's not even a real villain in this series yet. And I was already like, wow, fuck this guy. Like, Peter could have hung out with literally anybody else and been better off or even just don't have friends. Peter, that's <laughs> all his fucking homework throughout high school. And then just fucking steals his, his girl without even telling him. Okay, first of all. Uh, here, we didn't mention this earlier. Now's my chance. We cannot blame MJ for getting with Harry because no, ha- I, Harry talked to her. Peter wouldn't talk yeah, to her. So I don't mm-hmm, blame the girl. 100%. No, she Peter she was probably super weird and creepy. So he was in love with her for that long and didn't say a word to her. But yeah, he did steal his lines, and that's not fair. My WTF is that Toby Maguire looks. Just like Josie Scott from Saliva. How, cause, how can What are you talking about? If you see a side-by-side comparison, and I'm going to put this on socials, I'm going to spend an hour on Photoshop if I have to, but put long hair on Tobey Maguire. Their facial expression is the same thing. Like I, I, I almost thought it, it, they look the same. You'll, you'll see. They are look are the we same. looking at the same people? <laughs> uh, yeah, I okay. think so. Is this a car song? No one can define it, but everyone knows it when they hear it. Is this song a car song? 100%. Yes, 100%. I will actually no, say... you guys are wrong. No, I will actually say this is a car exclusive song. You must be in the car to experience its full effect. Why? When else are you going to listen to this? First of all, it's such a radio hit, like... I mean, I've been listening to it voluntarily, but like, it's absolutely the thing that comes on and you're in the car and you're like, okay, fine, I'll indulge. And you just rock out in the car for a little bit. I I will add, this is also like supermarket speakers song. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. 100%. All right. Let's get to our patron submitted question. This comes in the way of Bob M. Uh, this is actually a really good one. Some a thinker here, but what two artists would you like to see do a collaboration on a superhero movie? And also, he said bonus points for naming the superhero movie too. Mark, do you have any? I have an answer. I I thought about this extensively, mm. and and I I did different combinations. I crossed out. I had Mark. You're always very much like analytic with your with your approach to things. You're like, yeah, I we, thought, yeah, we I love it. I love it. We appreciate that. Yeah, I love <laughs> this, it. This is the most important part of my week. Um, <laughs> so I think for so first of all, I'm just going to start with the bonus part is the movie choice. Mm. There's only this now only works in certain films, and I think. Where it would work best is is a film that is self aware uh, and and 
understands the idea of a movie tie-in song. So it's it's kind of a cop-out, but I'm going to say Deadpool 3 because it kind of hmm. did something similar to Deadpool mm-hmm. 2 mm-hmm. With, with Celine Dion. But I'm actually going to go beyond the two artists and this is going to be a, an ensemble piece. And and I'm going to tag in my, my Canadian-ness one last time on this podcast uh, and this is going to be a love letter to Ryan Reynolds. This this whole this is going to be the final scene in the movie that's going to bleed into the end credits. Uh, so the main there, there's going to be one main artist and then an ensemble supporting uh, to this main artist. So the ensemble will consist of Brian Adams, Shania Twain, Drake, Justin Bieber, and Michael Bublé. Ooh. The Canadian heavy the Avengers, so they're, I mean, the Avengers of Canadian music. She doesn't um, but fit, that, but I want Avril Lavigne in there too. <laughs> I thought about her, yeah. but but she didn't fit my. It, it's my, fine. Uh, it's fair. My Avengers there, yeah. and then it, the song will be headlined by the Oscar-nominated, Grammy, Emmy, and Tony Award-winning performer Hugh Jackman. Wow. wow. In a in a sort of a, let's say power ballad, uh, if you think of like the greatest showman and like yeah, come oh, alive, he's, he's amazing at that. He's one of my the, favorite Oscars hosts. Yeah, basically him surrounded by this this Canadian cast again, all just a love letter to Ryan Reynolds and his enthusiasm and dedication to making Deadpool happen. I'll take it because even though Hugh Jackman is not Canadian, Wolverine is Canadian. So exactly, that's, that's he's, he's an honorable Canadian. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not, but would you grant him honorable Canadian? At, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Wow, how did it follow that act? Well, I don't know, oh. but you will. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you got? Do you Do you got have anything, Silva? I know that well, superhero is not your strength. Maybe not. Uh, it's not my favorite genre, but if I'm Picking of my favorites from from that, uh, Birds of Prey, I thought was an amazing movie. Like that movie was just made soundtrack. for me. Amazing soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack. Should be so, on season two. Absolutely. So I wanted Doja Cat to come back. And then I was trying to think of who to pair with her. And I ended up with Gaga because I thought they could do something really fun. I would like to put in a bid for Doja Cat and Bad Bunny. Oh, they can make some magic. Bad Bunny would do great (laughs) in Birds of Prey soundtrack. Oh, shit. Yeah. So Birds of Prey 2, Doja Cat and Bad Bunny. Order music group. Like, are you listening? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Shit. My pick is I have Danny Elfman who scored this movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Score Batman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mount Rushmore of superhero music. I would like to see him collaborate with Trent Reznor because Ooh. they actually collaborated. Elfman had an album, The Big Mess, and Reznor did a remix of Elfman. And I, as a fan of both, I just love it. I was like, man, I wish these two would collaborate more. So I would have Danny Elfman and Trent Reznor. And again, Elfman, the songwriter, not the scorer. But that's the thing. It would also be tied into the score because you would probably do the, the score for this movie, too. Yeah, so, they'd make something really cool. Yeah, so Elfman and Trent Reznor and my superhero movie would be a Nightcrawler solo movie. Huh. So okay. we're talking some moody stuff. Yeah, a little gothic. I honestly wish if this would exist. I really like this. I'm proud of myself. I well, maybe we can manifest it together. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
All right, last but not least, will the song will go on? Will this song live on and continue to be part of pop culture? If Mark has his way, it'll <laughs> absolutely not get the f- out of here, right? It's not my way. I just, I just think realistically, it, it, it's not going to live on. I think its association is tied to this movie and people's nostalgia of the time of this playing on the radio in 2002. These bands in this genre definitely have a very devoted fan base uh you know they're showing up at the the state fair or wherever where they're playing uh but i don't think that they're gaining new fans probably so the future generations will have to decide if you know butt rock of the 2000s is cool uh gen z is super into the y2k stuff so maybe that will apply to nickelback as well weirder things have happened but uh i was looking up what josie scott is up to and it looks like he has a new band called shade violent so we'll see what they produce (laughs) damn you guys are rough not good names Uh, is this gonna be a thing (laughs) are are you are you i hope so (laughs) it might already be oh no I think it it will. I think I I honestly like I think you guys are missing the Spider-Man angle. And I think anyone who is a fan of Spider-Man will eventually stumble up on this soundtrack like, oh, I'll see you. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I do think it will it will have its blimp on pop culture every every once in a while. And some some covers pop up now and then here on YouTube. So I think so. I think it, it could. I don't know. But it could also die like you guys. I'm not I'm not saying like it could also die. I, I think its best chance is if there is some sort of Nickelback resurgence, which I think there's a realistic possibility of. Sophie, let's let's finish up this episode with some quick YouTube comments. All right. What are people saying? Anything good? Oh, I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. <laughs> okay, so our first one is Chad Kroger is very underrated. What a masterpiece. Uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> what do you think of that take? Uh... I mean, they were like the most popular band, so I don't know about underrated but maybe they mean like by critics i don't know it was a it was a head scratcher i couldn't tell if they were being sarcastic or not i found a clip of him playing live like that's so pro jim right there uh, that bit. What what I what I noticed about his voice is it's gotten much higher than it used to be, and uh, yeah, it seems like he had some cysts removed in his throat, and that has affected his voice. He's so high, heaven can hear him. He's so high. (laughs) Okay, here's my last one. Why does everyone hate Nickelback? Chad Kroger's smile is so nice. That smile is so genuine and pleasant. It's not like the smile of a punchable face. It's the smile of someone who just made pancakes and is eager to have you try them. I do have to say, I do have to say, he looks a lot better with short haircut, like like miles better, which which is what I think he rocks. I don't know. Day. I love those blonde curls. I don't know. That's where I kind of like it. Yeah. That's Chad Kroger. Look at this photograph. <laughs> you. All right. Well, those are our YouTube comments. Thank you so much for everyone listening, Mark. I mean, as always, this is a blast. It will not be the last time we have you here. For the listeners listening, we were uh, just a preview, but talking about like what songs we would cover. And I 
think our next one of this trio will be Spice World. So, hint. Coming soon, I, I guess. Post end credit. Oh, that should have been the post end credit when I edited. Ah, fantastic. But Mark, thanks a lot, man. It's a blast to have you uh, on the pod. Yeah. Uh, please tell the people where they can find you. Uh, well, I have a YouTube channel called Popcorn and Vinyl, where I will be very shortly after this recording putting up a Spider-Man score review by Danny Elfman. Nice. So uh, you can check that out and then uh, other stuff that I've got on there. Amazing. Quick question. Is this your favorite Spider-Man score? Yes. Wow. Spoiler for the review. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get the exclusive so yeah. come on we gotta get the exclusive I, that's true you, you put me on the spot I had to think about that quickly but yes this definitively is my favorite Spider-Man score well you can find us on Instagram at the song will go on we're on Twitter too and we're on TikTok and Patreon but uh, yeah we'll see you next time on the song will go on season 2 uh, it's been a blast and thank you for listening bye the Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. The Song Will Go On is a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.